Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, and please help me welcome my guest. He's a true OG, not a term that gets thrown around loosely in his case. Eric Nice, how are you doing? Doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing fine. I had to give you a proper intro because I feel like the word OG has been getting tossed around rather loosely these days, but nobody's more uh, suited for that moniker than yourself. You're the pioneer amongst the reality world, so uh, I'm glad I can get you on here. How does it feel now to kind of see all these new shows being brought back in motion, um, and then your season, of course, got brought back as well in a homecoming setting. How does it feel now that they're kind of dipping back into the well? What is your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. I just see everything as numbers these days. You know, they're just trying to compete with all the other streaming channels, and they're you know obviously hurting for content so i mean it's good for all of us you know brings us back into the you know into the spotlight and everybody makes a little bit of money and it just seems like you know the this real world thing is like you know the gift that just keeps on giving 30 years later i definitely couldn't imagine that this would happen but um just doesn't seem like it's going to stop. We actually got another call uh, a few weeks ago of another project that they're working on that I can't really talk about, but yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Well, I could speak for a lot of people that we're hoping that uh, we get you in the full capacity with whatever that is, you know. Um, Seeing as how Homecoming played out for you, are you at peace with how it played out now, or do you still think about it from time to time? Oh, yeah, I move on very quickly from stuff. I don't even talk about it, think about it. You know, it just it is what it is. And, you know, just another experience. And, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, some of the things that happen. But, I mean, that's life, you know, relationships and people getting along and not getting along, people getting triggered. I deal with this stuff every day, helping people. So, you know, that word triggered and you know family issues and traumas and all that stuff um you know it's like my everyday experiences so yeah you know i just i think if there was a you know a little bit of regret was that you know i wasn't able to be in the loft with everybody and you know maybe there was something that i could have said or done that would have kind of neutralized what was happening with becky but and it's all it's all good. She's fine. We're all fine. Everybody <laughs> moved on. You know, it's interesting. It's like, you know, in the reality world, it seems that the people that watch the show and the fans of the show are actually more affected than the people that are on the show. Because it's, you know, it's like we move on with our lives, but then you meet somebody, you see somebody and they get all excited you know, and they want to ask you questions and they want to know about what happened. And it's it's interesting being a reality star because it's like you're you're embedded. Some people, yeah. yeah, to some people, you're 21 forever. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you pointed that out, too, because it seems like that way. Right. It seems like the people that are watching it when they're watching it, it's almost like they they swear they're with you guys, you know, like oh, yeah. they're just seeing the, the finished product, but they don't see the uh, thousand attempts attempts that go into making that finished product. You know what I mean? Um, right. 
what you're seeing might not always be entirely the case with how it just so happens how it cracks out on the editing floor, you know. But it's it is kind of funny how you just pointed out uh, fans kind of take it a lot more seriously than maybe the cast does. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, seems that way. In <laughs> some cases. <laughs> I always point out with um, guests that kind of came in that era before reality TV had social media as a um, navigation system. Simply how it's happening now, as you're seeing with Homecoming and all-star shows, of course. I kind of asked them how it was like navigating the reality realm back when you were originally on your shows. Obviously, you did pretty well for yourself um, coming off of reality TV. And like most people would consider you the original reality star, you know. How do you feel like that would play out, say, if like you had the uh, social networking that exists now back when you were going on the shows in your original <laughs> stint? You think oh like you would have uh, tried to be like an influencer or something? Oh, it would have been a completely, completely different story. Completely. <laughs> there's like there's no there there. You can't even predict. There's no comparison. Yeah, there's. I mean, it, it would just would have been. Yeah, I, I don't even know what would have happened. I, I just I know that it would have been, you know, it would have been a hundred times more than it was. It was already big. I mean, even you know this doing you know doing the grind. The grind was in like 90 million homes around the world that was just through mtv so imagine what that would have been like with social media attached to it and being able to have a social media arm to it and then the workout videos and all that stuff it just would have been a hundred times more popular what did you have in mind for yourself as far as like what you wanted to pursue coming off the show I had no idea, you know, I was just, I was young and just like everybody else and just trying to figure it out. Um, I mean, I talk about this a lot over the last 30 years, but you know, it was just about making money, mm-hmm. you know, having a, having a career <clears throat> and making money. So that's all that I was really interested in. I was like trying to get into the modeling world and was, you know, considering and getting into acting and, that's what it was. It was simply that, you know, we didn't have a reference, you know, it wasn't like I wanted to be famous, you know, that was never an interest of mine. You know, I was 18 years old and I needed money. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to college and, um, you know, I wasn't even really interested in that, in the business. I was an athlete. That's all I did was play sports every day. So that's what, what I thought, that's what I thought that I was going to be doing with my life. I played every sport. I played, you know, my dad was a ref in the NBA. So basketball, oh, wow. I played basketball every day in my life when I was a kid. All summer long, football. My brother played in college. My uncles played in college. My grandfather's brother was one of the best offensive linemen to ever play football with the seven blocks of granite and Vince Lombardi. So, you know, I grew up in an athletic home and it was just all about sports. So when my high school, when high school ended and I was getting into a lot of trouble and decided that I wasn't going to go to college, play sports in college, my mom said, well, what are you going to do? 
you got to do something. And I was like, I don't know. And a year went by and I was getting into trouble and going to New York City and in the club scene and partying. And um, a really good friend of ours that I grew up with became a, one of the most successful male models in the world, like top five. And it was just an easy way in. I just got in really good shape, took some photos. He brought it up to his agency. That's how it all started. <clears throat> so wow. yeah, it was just for me, it was just making money. Was that a part of your process too when you auditioned the, the modeling thing? Well, that's where the that's where the audition came through. Came it was just it was another like they call them go sees. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I went to my agency one day and they were like, "Here's your list of thing of you know go sees auditions," and one of those was the real world. Wow. I still think about how crazy that must have been getting into something like that because you guys were the guinea pig experiment. Nobody knew what it was. And it's so much different now compared to when you guys were originally doing it. It's almost like the genre is taking a just a complete 360, you know what I mean? You guys were a documentary yeah. in a sense. And now, I mean, I talk about this with a lot of my old school guests. Just the genre now is not what it once was. Oh, not even close. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about real problems anymore. You know what I mean? Oh no, don't talk about real problems. Don't trigger people. Don't get <laughs> emotional. <laughs> they just want everybody. They just want everybody to fight. You know, and hook yeah. up. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's so what's, that's what gets ratings, right? I mean, and that's the thing. You know, you can't be judgmental about it. You know, the entertainment business. It's a business, right? And there's an audience that's out there that wants to see a certain type of entertainment, right? So they're just, you know, it's all numbers to them. They're looking at it going, is this, is this going to produce numbers? And now, and even today, it's that much harder because of social media, mm-hmm. because of how much time everybody's spending on their phones and, and in their computers. So if you, aren't producing content that's going to keep the three second swiper interested you're not going to make any money what about eric niece the fan is that something that you feel like you would enjoy the current product um i don't know i think you know like what i do now for a lot of people you know number one it's boring Mm -hmm. it's not that entertaining and like you said you know, how many people actually want to see, like, real emotional content? Because the work that I do now is transforming people's lives. It's helping people to heal from the traumas in their life. And so unless you can make that look, you know, entertaining in some way, you're not going to really get a big audience. You know, I've been trying to pitch, you know, transformational shows to all the networks I'm, I'm probably the first person in the history of network television to walk into a pitch meeting with a bottle of ayahuasca wow. that happened 10 years ago and so now you're seeing shows around plant medicine and ayahuasca and stuff but i pitched that show more than 10 years ago to all the networks walked in with a bottle of ayahuasca 
And how was that received once you pitched that? They didn't even know what it was. They, you know, they were like, what's that? <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, this is a tea from the jungle and it helps you to do blah, blah, blah. You know, the thing is, like with networks, they, you have to, they're not creative people. They're business people. Like, you know what I mean? So yes. you, you have to show them the creativity. Like you have to somehow pull them in, you know, like with a sizzle reel or whatever it is. But, you know, it's just not that entertaining. And I'm still trying, you know, I'm still making the rounds. I'm in the process of, of, of making another sizzle reel right now for another show with people transforming their lives because that's what I'm passionate about. You know, that's, I'm interested in that. So, yeah, over the years, I've had a lot of offers to do a lot of different things. But, you know, if I'm not. I'm not excited about it. I'm not interested in it and I'm not, you know, doing it myself. Then I don't, I don't really want to be a part of it. And, and you made a cameo appearance on one of the, uh, Los Angeles homecoming episodes too. And you were doing your healing there, right? If I'm correct. Yeah, sort of not really. Cause I couldn't really do exactly what I wanted to do with them. Again, you're working within their system. And what they see, what they want, you know? Right. So if, it, if I had it my way, I would have, you know, I would have walked in the door with a bunch of mushrooms and ayahuasca and facilitated a real healing journey and opened them up to get really raw and dig into the real issues of what they were all dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just, it wasn't an option for that. Obviously, number one, it's illegal in America. So you would have to do that in another country. But, um, yeah, I didn't have the time or the space to even really go that deep with them. And a perfect example of that is there was conversation that I was having uh, with Glenn that was going deeper into his issues, which they didn't air. You know, didn't it didn't fit their didn't fit you know their um storyboard right it did seem that they pretty much pegged the uh the tammy david thing is the that's gonna be our story and we're just not gonna show anything else because i had john and irene last week and we were uh pretty much doing like a recap of the season and glenn i mean he got kind of like the the ghost portrayal it was like they irene said it best it's like they pegged him like he wasn't there yeah yeah, and 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 it just goes to show you like the inte- the integrity of the production, right? Because Glenn actually had a very meaningful and powerful transformation. The guy was suffering, you know. He was dealing with a serious loss of, you know, his his wife, mm-hmm. you know, and. They that's how they pulled me in to do it. You know, they they wanted me to just make an appearance on the show The all they were really interested in was for me to be interacting with the cast and so not can- on a screen on the wall. That's it. And so they were like, look, you know, we think that your fans would be interested, you know, in seeing you interacting with other people. You, they didn't get to see that on your show. And I said, well, if I'm going to come there, I'll, 
I, I don't want to just like hang out and talk to people. I want to do something meaningful. So I pitched them that idea, you know, to bring in my friend Ron, um, you know, to do like that little ceremony. Okay, that makes a little more sense. So do you feel like maybe they wanted you there in person because you weren't able to be there for your personal homecoming season? And that they right. just, that's all they wanted was just, okay, that's let's it. have, let's have a kumbaya so it looks good. Yeah, the reality, they don't care what I'm doing. They don't care if I'm swimming in a pool, if I'm riding a bicycle down the street, if we're talking about Oreo cookies. They don't care. <laughs> that's crazy. They'll tell, they, they'll, they'll tell you they do. <laughs> they'll, make, they'll make it seem like they oh, do, man. but they really don't. I just can't imagine you <laughs> fly from Hawaii to LA just to, just, just do that. I flew from Peru. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Big money. So, yeah. So so when you found yourself trying to make that transition into acting immediately off of your original real world, were you met with any contention? Because I hear that uh, acting and reality TV don't really go hand in hand. I actually wasn't having any problems at all. I mean, maybe today it's different. But remember, yeah. it was the first time mm-hmm. ever. Um. And, and again, I went from quickly from reality TV to hosting The Grind. So those were yeah. two totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. So once The Grind took off, I was able to walk in a- any door, you know, for sitcoms and movies and, and everything. You know, I had an agent and you know, I was getting all the calls and a lot of really amazing stuff was happening. So I didn't I didn't seem to have a problem with that at all yeah and i know you do say that uh you know you move on fast but do you ever still think about the grind from time to time and how it unfolded or um no i did all that work i had to do a lot of healing around that and i did that for years so yeah i don't think about it at all i've dissected my my whole life inside and out every teeny tiny little detail of every single person that I've had an interaction with since the, the moment I took in my first breath. You know, that's the work that I do. So I've gone through a, a complete and total recapitulation of my, not only this life, but my past lives too. Yeah. Would you mind uh, sharing kind of how that all unfolded? Because I did read something with like a business manager of yours, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a manager that came in and brainwashed me, manipulated me, molested me, stole all my money, wow. destroyed my relationship with MTV, with Universal Studios. Um, he was a predator, and I didn't know it, and I was very young and naive and, you know, gullible. I didn't have the, the right people around me to protect me, and um, but again, you know, like I was very stubborn and narcissistic and had a big ego back then, uh, but also a big heart. So yeah, it was just a very confusing time in my life. And it was, uh, you know, brought up a lot of traumas from my childhood and abuse and all different types of things. So it's just a part of my journey and my, my experience. And I don't, I don't hold on to any of that anymore. I've let all that go and healed it, forgive, and I've done the work around it. Is that what led you to maybe take on the spiritual life that you live now? Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. 100%. Do, do I was you at want... rock bottom for that, ready to kill uh, myself. And I wow. needed 
I needed, I needed help. <laughs> and so that's where I found my first teacher. And then my life would just transform from, from there when I was 25. Oh, so, so they taught you, uh, what you do now, essentially? Um, a little bit. I, I lived with a Far East grandmaster for seven years with him and his family, Vietnamese family in, um, in Los Gatos, California. He was, uh, you know, eighth generation, um, Chinese medicine grandmaster and 21 den black belt and three martial arts, you know, far East grandmaster. And I lived with him for like seven years. Oh, wow. And he really, he really pulled me, pulled me out of my addiction. Oh. Where, where could people, uh, seek help from you as far as, uh, from what you do? I can link that in the uh, description if. Oh yeah, I'm easily accessible on social media. My, you know, Instagram, Facebook. My website is iameriknees.com, and mm -hmm. um, my Instagram and Facebook is ericknees333. Mm -hmm. So, what maybe caused you to step away from doing like the challenges once uh, you were on the show? Still, is that that's another that good one? I didn't. I didn't actually. I, 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 at one time, I walked away from doing the challenges, but just recently, when they started doing these all-star ones, um, and after the homecoming, I was going to do the first one, but then I got COVID, and um, the 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 show the shows overlapped with each other, so I couldn't do the first one. They invited me to do the second one, but we were in the middle of COVID, and I I'm not vaccinated, and they lied to me they were trying to get the information out of me whether or not i was vaccinated or not and then when they found out that i wasn't vaccinated they didn't they didn't choose for me to come on the show wow. so and was that and they lied and and they lied in the beginning i called them out i knew i knew as soon as as soon as they you know they said something you know they were like, oh, yeah, MTV makes the final the final decision and didn't line up with what they had in mind. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, this is an all star <laughs> old school challenge. I've won a challenge. I'm the original cast member of this whole, you know, your whole company. Yeah. And you're not choosing me. Something seems like, a little right, fishy so what's then. The truth? <laughs> what's the real truth? And I kept digging, 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 and finally they they told me the truth. Wow. So is that was that like an effective like door close as far as the challenges go? Like, do you Pretty feel much. like? Pretty much. I don't really? know. I mean, I mean, now that COVID's over, I don't know if they're you know choosing people that are not vaccinated or yeah. are vaccinated, but they're definitely biased. That's for sure. Who knows? I mean, you know, if there's going to continue to be ones in the future, it seems like things are lightening up a little more. If the, yeah. call, if the call comes back around, do you think maybe uh, you'd be open to it? Yeah, why not? There's one There's a, uh, one kid, I forget what his name is, who won, won a couple of challenges. He's huge. He's got millions of followers, and, you know, he... I think he was in the he was in the press for it. I know that. For but he wasn't vaccinated, and they and they and they didn't choose him, and he came out publicly. 
and talked about it. I forget. Oh, his name. wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember as well. But, um, yeah, that's a bummer. I think uh, I think as far as that goes, you pointed out and made a great point. You're the original cast member, right? So I think if you're having an all-star show, <laughs> having it without more you, OG it's like... all-star than this. I'm like the, the, the godfather, the grandfather, the elder. Grandfather, the elder statesman. <laughs> That's all right, man. I mean, it's a game. Look, they play. We're all playing a game here. They, it's their game. They play it how they want to. They run the game how they want to run it. If you want to play their game, you play their game. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you you hosted challenges too back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah, early. What, what did you What did you like uh, better, doing the hosting gigs, or did you like actually competing? No, I'm, I'm uh, like I said earlier, I'm an athlete. I'm a whole out competition back in the day. So I love, I love to compete. It's fun. Yeah. You're, you remember that one challenge I think you hosted when they were, uh, forget where they were. It might've been Mexico, but they had, mm-hmm. uh, there was a hurricane going on. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. That was nuts. I think, uh, blue it was from road rules brought her, brought her, uh, child on that one. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, and they had a housemaid there, and they had the, the toga party. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Did you attend that one, the toga party? I think so, yeah, because normally when you're the host, you can't interact with the yeah. talent um, or with the, the competitors. And um, because of the storm, it brought all of us together. So that third wall was broken, you know, came, came down, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. I just think back to those times, and I think a lot of fans do. Those were when uh, things were less strict. It was a lot more fun. And I think like yeah. that's a problem with not the All-Star show, but the, the flagship show on MTV's network. I think that's a big complaint that a lot of fans are having. It's like it's taking on like more of like a just oversaturated type of genre now where they rely on like stunts and stuff instead of just seeing people normal people compete and do challenges and have real conversations and just talk you know right i think i think that's a big component if the fans are seeing the talent having fun they're gonna have fun watching it right yeah absolutely and uh speaking of fun i think this was a question that was on a lot of people's mind you had a jump rope on i think it was battle of the sexes too people wanted Uh to know uh what, do you still have that jump rope? And what was the deal <laughs> I think with that? It's somewhere I don't know. It's somewhere. No, I had some. I had jump rope videos that I that I was producing that that came out, and I was just trying to promote the jump rope videos. There's oh, okay. no no deep no significant no significance at all. It was an opportunity to promote something else that I was doing. That's it. What What was your most fun challenge that you did? Um, I would say Jamaica was probably Jamaica. I was I was having a really good time in Jamaica until that doll fell out of my mouth, which should not have happened. And um, that um, that was a real disappointment. I should have won that one easily. The whole thing. Was that would that would have been uh, sexes one? Would that have been? I, there was the one that we were sitting on the ice, whatever 
that was yeah that was that one yeah yeah i was in good shape for that just blazing through the competition wasn't obviously wasn't that strong and um yeah i just made a really stupid mistake i should have never that should have never happened but it meant to be <laughs> and i think that was the same challenge that puck got married wasn't it yeah yeah that was a lot of fun that was a wild challenge and didn't puck and david get into it on that challenge too was that the same one um I, they're always getting into it so oh probably. really yeah i don't know <laughs> Yeah, you and uh, Pamela Anderson actually went out, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> what What was that like? I was. It was. It was nice. She's. She's awesome, and um, you know, we really enjoyed each other's company. We we're young. It was fun, and um, yeah. I don't know. It's just a good time. Do you feel like there's fun. any uh, misconceptions with her in the industry, or? I mean, there's misconceptions with everybody everywhere, True. you know, especially when it comes to, you know, the media and news and people creating and writing stories. And, you know, it's it's all, you know, you can't trust any of it. You can't trust is- anybody or anything that anybody says, especially in the entertainment industry. There's so much bs in the entertainment industry you just cannot trust it at all it's the most dangerous thing in the world it's it yeah it's up there <laughs> it's up no there. doubt about it if you if, if you know the truth <laughs> if you know the reality you know of what it is and why it's there and how it's used you know i'm talking about you know the puppeteers in that world yeah, not not a not a fun place to be. If it was up to the me, higher, the, so no, the higher you get in the ladder, more controlling, manipulative, and darker it gets. The more famous you get, the more notoriety you get, the more darker mm-hmm. it gets. And not many people talk about that, obviously, because if you do talk about it. You're not going to get hired. And you yeah. see that over and over and over again, right? All these different celebrities that were at like the height of their career at one point or another. And then they say something. And then they don't get hired anymore. They start to expose the truth. And then they don't get hired anymore. Did you ever experience like that that block personally for you in the sense of, you know, being in the public eye became like a little exhausting on your mental well-being to where like you almost appreciated fading to black Mm, yeah i mean i well because of everything that happened with my manager back in the day definitely got a sour taste in my mouth for everything um and then there was a moment where i was i was with all my friends we were hanging out in new york walking down the street and we were having a good time joking around and you know, you get noticed and then people come running over to you. And I was like, something struck me in that moment that like at any, any moment, the moment can be taken away, you know? And I didn't, I didn't like that. So 
I actually prayed and I asked for it to be taken away. And I walked away. And it was a necessary thing for me because it it helped me to see more clearly of the matrix and the veil and this illusion that the world has been living in for a very, very long time. So it helped to, you know, open up many, many doors in my life in a spiritual way to be able to assist myself in liberating myself Mm -hmm. from my own suffering, liberating my soul, um, and then giving me the the knowledge and the understanding to be able to help other people to do that. So I don't have any regrets around any of it at all. It all played itself out exactly the way that it was supposed to in a very divinely orchestrated fashion. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like we're a lot is being uncovered on the planet right now. There's a lot of a lot of things that are going have been going on on this planet for a very, very long time that is all being brought to light as we speak. You know, in the next <clears throat> next six months to a year, you'll remember that I say this, you are going to be in complete total shock of the truth that comes out. It's already happening at some level. You know, it's just, you know, are you aware of it and are you are you on the platforms that are sharing the information? But the whole world is going to know very, very soon <laughs> about the reality of what's going on on, the, on this planet, the darkness that's on this planet, because it's 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 scary. It's sad, too. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long maybe did you sit on that um, information that you were dealing with regarding you and your manager before going public with it? Yeah, it took a while, you know, it's like vulnerability and transparency is a scary place to be, especially when it comes to stuff like that, you know, molestation, rape and being taken advantage of and, you know, losing everything. You know, I've lost everything at least three times, you know, made a whole ton of money and then lost it all. So. um, I didn't understand then the power of vulnerability. And, you know, once I started to go deep into my own healing, realizing that the only way to truly liberate myself was to be vulnerable. So then it became a practice for me. So, you know, years ago where I couldn't even get it out of my mouth, I was scared, scared to be judged. That was the biggest one. You know, the fear of being judged by other people. Um and didn't realize like how much I was judging myself. And so, yeah, there was a lot of information that I was carrying around about myself personally, but then there was all this, so this information that I was gathering about what was happening in the world. Um, and then just watching, you know, people disappear, you know, it's like two things happening. There's like your, your own story, the things that have been done to you, the things that you have done to other people. But then there's the rabbit holes going down the rabbit holes of information around this other stuff that I'm talking about. And so over the years, you know, a lot of the stuff that's being exposed over the last, like, I would say probably the last seven or eight years, it's become more public information. 
you know, that people call conspiracy theories. I was aware of this stuff when I was 20, 22 years old, when the Internet didn't even exist. You know, so a lot of the information that I was um, gathering was coming from books and like, you know, black market videos and, you know, that I would find on the streets in New York and stuff like that. So, like, I wanted to understand the media. I wanted to understand the entertainment industry because that manager that came into my life when I was 22 years old, he's the first person that would talk to me about these conspiracy theories like the Illuminati and the New World Order, where over the years, you know, rappers like Tupac and Biggie and, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan and all of them, all of a sudden you started to hear, you know, that word, Illuminati, Illuminati. And then it, as the internet came out, it started to spread even more. And so it's not a conspiracy theory, obviously, anymore. And so... Yeah, there was a part of me that was that was afraid to talk about it for the fear of something was going to happen to me. Yeah. So, but yeah. Was that at the um, where you you first announced it at the awards, was it? Or. Um, Well, no, the first time that I actually talked publicly about what happened, talking about what happened with my manager. Yeah. Yeah. The first time that I actually talked publicly about that was at the 10 year anniversary reunion Reunion. yeah Yeah. where i was with um melissa and we were sitting in central park doing some wraparounds for the 10 10 um 10 year anniversary of the real world and i openly didn't fully talk about it but i started sharing it started to feel more comfortable to share it yeah how was that when it first came out as far as like you know, press and stuff when did you feel like obligated that, you know, you need to hide a little bit or did you feel like, you know what, I got this off my chest. I'm just going to be loud and proud. Yeah. yeah, there was no. Well, that was the whole point of, of that's the whole point of being vulnerable is that you don't have to hide anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have that fear of being judged first and foremost by yourself, but by other people. And then once you talk about it, then all of a sudden you start meeting people and people start coming to you and they start sharing their story. And you realize that you're not alone. You thought you were alone, but you're really not. And there's actually a lot more people you know, that have gone through similar things than that, yeah. uh, like that. And pretty much almost nine, nine out of 10 people that come into my life now for healing have gone through it very similar things that i have so my vibration my frequency that i create inside of my body is what i attract mm-hmm. so those people just naturally kind of gravitate you know towards me because you know i can i can assist them in healing from that because i i went through that myself mm-hmm. and also i had melissa on yesterday she wanted me to say hi by the way because i uh, I put on cool. I put on Twitter you're gonna be joining me and so uh yeah I love Melissa she's awesome I always have a good time hanging out with her yeah 
Well, uh, you seem to have a great thing going for yourself, and you seem to be in very good spirits, and I'm happy to see that. And I'm um, obviously going to be supporting whatever you're doing, as sure, and I'm sure so is the fans of yours as well. And um, I thank you for being so generous with your time today and uh, gracing, gracing my show with your presence today.